This is the Bender Six Pod with your hosts, Joey Kanji and Matthew Spaniolo. Welcome back to, uh, I don't even know our show name, uh, Bender Six Podcast. There it is. Um, yeah, that was just me being having a total brain fart. But uh, me and Joe, you're back again for episode two of our show. We can discuss everything Toronto-related because, like we said before, Toronto was the center of the universe. Why? It just is. Don't argue with us. It's never going to end well. And before we go any further, this show is an official Martin Marincin fan club. If you purchase a Martin Marincin jersey, welcome to the club. We are happy to have you. Please, please bask in his glory of how amazing he is and how he is now the new Bob York. Uh, I don't know, Joe, if you know if you would go that far, but um, uh, no, I I say he's uh, I say that's pretty accurate. There there was one guy on Leafs Twitter. I don't know if you you follow him, but he only had like 500 followers, and he tweeted yeah. in the middle yeah, of the game. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, if Marinson scored a goal, he would buy a jersey of him. So he was a man of his word and bought the jersey after, like, I don't know how many people retweeted. I don't remember the exact retweets, but it was it was quite a bit people retweeted it. Uh, and he eventually bought the jersey, which that would have been really awkward. Imagine you go into, like, real sports and you're just like, hey, give me a Martin Marinson jersey. And they're just wonder, like. I wonder how many of those they sell a year. I mean, I'm sure if you go to the to the counter, they'll give it to you or they'll, like. Oh, for sure. I know that there's people who exist who like just collect jerseys and are probably just trying to get like one from every Leafs player. My favorite tweet in kind of relation to that was basically saying like I think I forget what who tweeted it. It was someone on Leafs Twitter. It was one of the females on Leafs Twitter, and she was just like throwback to the time in 2011 when every single person bought a Joffrey Lupul jersey, and I'm just like, yeah, that was a thing. Yeah, a lot of people. Bought Joffrey Lupul jerseys. Nine years ago. Good lord. That I remember was... a lot of people bought those David Clarkson Winter Classic jerseys. That one was like, I don't even know why people did. Because, like, they knew Clarkson was bad. So why did they buy the... Like, okay, to be fair, those Winter Classic jerseys were beautiful. I mean, yeah. I liked I liked the Centennial ones a little more. But I love the Winter Classic jerseys in 2014. Those were those were really good. Uh, but like of all the people that you could get, like I saw everyone with like Kessel, Fanuf. Um, I think I saw one. I like okay, Kadri, Bozak, JVR. I think I saw like a few. Um, what was the jersey that I saw? A few Berniers, which was funny. You always see the Otter Reimer one too. Yeah, I see. I see the Reimer one still, which just goes to show you how big of a deal he was. I saw a Gustafson jersey like the other week oh, on the. I Sunday. love seeing. I don't and know about you, but whenever you go to like sporting events, whether it's a Jays game or a Leafs game or a Raptors game or anything, just just looking at all the people's jerseys and just seeing like how random they are. Like, like when I was in Buffalo a few weeks ago, I saw someone sporting a a Cody CC jersey. Really? Someone actually bought that? I mean, no disrespect to Cody Cece, but, like, this is why you, if you want to buy a jersey, or if you want to get a jersey as a gift, 
you get it for someone that has term and will probably exactly. not get it. Exactly. That's you why know? I never bought a Kawhi Leonard jersey. Yeah, exactly. The reason why, like, if, if the guy's going to be out of town, like, don't buy his jersey. Like, don't buy a Cody CC jersey when he's going to be gone. You know, don't buy... Also, for the fact that it's Cody CC, but let's I not mean, get into that, that too, right now. Like, I'm waiting for someone to show up with a friggin' Nathan Horton jersey. Like, I get... Like, I don't know if Nathan Horton... Like, what number... Did, I know he wore 18 when he was with Boston. Did he I, even... I don't even think he got assigned a number with the Leafs. What's funny is that if you go on... If you go on Cap Friendly and you look at his stats, it's like, you know, he has the, the 36 games he played in 2013-14... And then from 14, 15 till now, it's just like zeros all down the board. And I'm just like, God. Like, he was a good pull. Like, how much do you want to bet that if Nathan Horton was on the Leafs, everyone would shut up about toughness? Because Nathan Yeah, but then in. again, I think he was like the exact type of player you wanted in the league like six years ago. I don't know how his game would trend into today's game, but, but you're, you do make a solid point. And I think it's also, like, what's funny is that, like, I remember the Leafs were, like, the first team, I think, that first realized, hey, we can use LTIR against our cap, and we can, you know, put it on and basically not have it affect us. Like, I don't know if anybody else was really doing it at the time. Like, I wasn't following hockey as much as I am now. So, like, I remember, like... The Leafs did it with Nath- with like Horton, Clarkson, and uh, I guess Robida would classify that as well. I think Robida was the first one. Was he? Because I remember he played he played in thirteen. No, he, yeah, he played in thirteen fourteen. What am I saying? He played in fourteen fifteen. Is what I was saying. Then yeah. Robida Island hit, and he had two years on that deal. I think him and Lupo were the first ones that. Really, where the Leafs really, really utilized the LTIR. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I think, like, what was really funny is, like, you know, with all the flack that Lou Lamorello gets or got, which we talked about on the on the last uh, Nosebleeds show, um, I'm sure you might know where I'm going with this because you were on Twitter all day. But, like, Lou knew how to maneuver the CBA, which was really interesting. Like I He remember, knew all the loopholes. Yeah, like with with Bernier sending him down to the AHL on like a conditioning stint, everyone was like, "Oh, won't he have to go on waivers?" And it's like, "Well, he agreed to it, so you know, if it's mutual between both the you know general manager and the player, then mm-hmm. if this is a compromise, then they can do it." And it was for I think like three games or two games, I can't remember. Yeah. So um, oh yeah, take a. Um, a few years ago, remember the Nikita Sashnikov situation? Dude, I really wish that Sashnikov worked out with the Leafs because he, like, I remember of all the players that the Leafs called up, which was actually, like, it was a little over, was it five years ago they called him up? Well, no, it was four years ago. It was a little over four years ago last week because it was the day after the trade deadline. They called up uh, Nylander. That was Nylander Hyman. Happening all those young, all those young, right? Yeah, and then Sashnikov came up too, and he was like, out of all of them, he was the one that I think that kind of like impressed me the most. Like Kapanen, he wasn't like you could tell he wasn't really like there yet because he wasn't you know producing, 
Um, you know, Hyman made an impact immediately. Uh, Nylander was an offensive threat immediately. That was when he was still a center, which was really funny. I remember, like, people were saying that he was going to be, like, the number two center, which that's not going to happen ever again. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, Sashnikov, like, I feel like if the Leafs had Sashnikov now, they wouldn't really need a Dennis Mulgan because then they can have just Sash on the wing. And he can do that, which I'm wondering, one question that I was going to throw to you, um, it's one question that I have, because apparently Ilya Mikheyev is skating, as is CeCe and Riley in uh, in San Jose uh, for the least practice today. So when all those guys come back, which they will come back, um, I, I defensively, I think we can agree, like Marincin and Rosen are pro- or Marincin and Lilligren are probably going to go down. Maybe Rosen too, we don't know. But who out of the forward core would you take out of that lineup once Mikheyev is back? Like, that's what I'm trying to wonder. Um, I feel like um, Goat would be the odd man out. Would be the odd man out. I mean, like, I, I can't, see her, That's the yeah, like, easy one off the top of my head. Like, I see Gautier not being in the lineup, but, like, my ideology was is that they were going to wave Mulgan and then, like, out of the center cores that the Leafs have, because they have a lot of people that can play center. Like, Clifford, or not Clifford, um, Kerfoot could play center. Uh, they got Tavares, Marner, Spezza, Gautier. I mean, Nylander isn't a traditional center, but he could take the faceoff. He's filled in. Yeah, exactly. Like, he could play all three roles if you need him to. So, and... If you look at the Mar- like the Marlies as well, like Adam Brooks looks like he really fit well, which was good. Um, I thought at one point Jeremy Bracco was a center, but I guess he isn't. Um, yeah, like the Leafs, like in terms of forward depth, like they're not in a bad spot. No, like yeah, that's the thing. Like I heard a lot of people saying like, oh, they should get another winger at the deadline. Or whatever, as long as a defenseman. But I don't just like if you get another winger with with McKayev coming back and and Janssen injured too. Like where are they where are they gonna go? Like, you well, yeah, have I, nowhere for them. Yeah, I guess this kind of segues into the trade deadline as well because many people anticipated the Leafs to do something, uh, but I think they did the right thing. I think keeping Barry, like if you look at what some of the defense defenseman got on the market like it was all draft picks like they didn't get a roster player back like i read or i heard i heard and read does both that it was like 60 20 or or not 60 20 uh 60 40 or 80 20 that he was going to go to vancouver and that troy stetcher was going to come back which i would not be against but you look at both guys and like barry's played more he's been with his team more. He's actually on pace to have a typical Tyson Berry season now. Like, he's going to hit 40 points. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, okay, he's not like last year where he was pushing 60, and he only played 78 games last year, so that was over 82 games that could have been over 60. Um, but he's basically, he's doing his role. He, like, he's he's playing as advertised. Like, that's exactly the type of Tyson Berry season that he's going to have. He's, like, a good way... To people who didn't really follow Barry last year and didn't really know much about him, is just say right, right-handed uh, Jake Gardner. That's basically it. Yeah, 
Like, this is literally right-handed Jake Gardner, which, like, you could hate on, but, but, like, people value this. Like, if you look at, I think the top pairing for a long time in, in Colorado was, I want to say, Zadorov-Berry, or, or it was, like, or it was Zadorov, because I know coaches like to do the left shot, right shot thing, but what's funny is that with, with Kale McCarr now up, like, Tyson Berry's just become such an afterthought. With yeah. uh, with the Avs, but yeah, I thought keeping Barry was a good idea. I thought bringing fact... back Rosen was good too because there's familiarity there. Like it's exactly. a small deal, but there's there's a familiarity. I mean, between the two of Rosen and Borgman, I wish I wish we still had Borgman a little bit just because when he was the bottom pair in like 17-18, he looked like he would be a good player until Dermot took his job. Uh, which, I'm going to be honest, Travis Dermott has impressed me the last uh, three games that he's played. He's really kind of stepped up. Yeah, he's uh, been but, uh, he's been getting criticized a lot. He hasn't, up until like this little three-game win streak we're on, he hasn't hasn't looked too good. But yeah, over the last few games, I've, I've really liked what I've seen. Yeah, and I would argue, like, you know, if you're going to look at who needs to step up more between him and Barry, I mean, obviously I would say both. That's not a, that's not a you know yeah very interesting answer. But if you look at who's gonna stay here past um you know past this year, it's gonna be Dermot. Like Barry's their rental at this point. You could argue that Tyson Barry was their trade deadline pickup on July first. Like yeah. I would I would argue that. And like there wasn't a better defenseman than him that got dealt. Yeah, if you look at the defensemen that got dealt, which I'm pu- which pulling them up, like okay, Eric Gustafson, like he was having a down year. Brady Shea, okay, I understand that, but out of like the right shot category, the big name was Sammy Vatanen, and if I had to pick between Sammy Vatanen and Tyson Berry, I kind of want Tyson Berry a little more. Yeah, I'd, I'd pick Tyson Berry. Vatanen's also on an expiring deal, so you know Dubis isn't going to trade for that. So there was. There's, like I don't understand all the people hating on Dubis for like not doing anything because like um like what did you expect him to do? There was really nothing out there, and like getting a prospect that picks back, they weren't gonna help this season. And I don't care what you thought the Leafs were in at that point of the season when the trade deadline came. Like that, what what are prospects and picks gonna do for us right now? Absolutely nothing. Yeah, I'll say this about Dubas. Like, I'm sure you you watched the press conference that he had after the trade deadline because I guess it's precedent that all Canadian NHL teams have to have this press conference. But he said it perfectly. He said, "I would I." The fact that he dropped a curse word showed that he was pissed off. The fact yeah. that he said, "I don't have a bull, I don't want to bullshit you and answer," because he can't. Like, what can you say in that scenario? That was literally the game. At, like, that was the David Ayers game. Mm-hmm. After that game and the trade deadline, what would you really do? And I understand that people wanted more because of how horrible that game was. But what do you want the general manager to do? Like, okay, say you're – I'm trying to – let me just try and relate this to a non-sport example. Say you're working – say you're working at a grocery store. And say you damage okay. something in the store, and or your manager gives you a task that you haven't done, and you screw up, 
you end up breaking something or you accidentally hurt someone, God forbid, and the owner of the store finds out, the owner of the store is going to be like, okay, you put the guy in this situation, you know, I can't do any, like, okay, I'm, I'm responsible, but, you know, what can, what can I do? You know, my hands are tied because yeah. I have to, I have to focus on the, the company and the organization. I can't focus on someone, you know, teenage kid who didn't know what to do and you gave him that task. And I'm not trying to say that Sheldon Keith is at fault here, but it's almost like, you know, damned if you do, damned if you don't. If you make a move, you get scrutinized for it. If you don't make a move, you're going to get scrutinized for it. So That's how it is in Toronto. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think everybody expected what the Raptors did, like, two, well, two years ago now. But everyone expected them to, like, go and make two huge blockbuster trades that are going to shake the core up. And, you know, like... That's what Masai Ujiri did with the Kawhi trade, and then bringing in Marc Gasol as well. But well, that's then, what the that's what the Tyson Berry trade felt like exactly. They took a fan favorite in uh, in Nazem Kadri, shipped him out for something that we needed at the time, which was like I had I saw very few people complaining about that trade when it happened. Like yeah, I think what, yeah, that's a very good comparable. Obviously, Tyson Berry is not held to the same regard as Kawhi Leonard because... Oh, no, but... But I, I see what you're coming from. It's like, that was the big move that everyone was waiting for. And it was simmering and simmering and simmering, and then Dubas finally just hit the switch and, you know, pulled the trigger on it. Could have gotten TJ Brody. Yeah. Didn't work. That's neither here nor there. You hit on the second time, and I completely forgot that Tyson Berry was available when they made the deal. Because I was expecting them to go out and get, like, Matt Dumba, because everyone wanted Matt Dumba. Uh, Brett Pesci no. was another name. No, I was working that day, so I wasn't really on Twitter keeping up with anything. But to me, it just felt like it came out of nowhere. I just checked my and blew up. Yeah, I was at my buddy's house playing Smash, and, like, we were in the middle. Like, it was right after a really intense game, and, like, it got quiet. We were all tired. And I look at my phone, and I literally, like, screamed out loud, holy shit. And they were like, what? Because they thought, like, something bad happened. But then I was, like, just scrolling through my Twitter account. And then one of my other friends that I went to school with just texted me, and he's just like, dude. And I was like, dude. And, like, we were just talking about it all day. Like, it, it was a big deal. I mean, and what's funny is that people, like, if you still look at that deal, I'd say the Leafs won it. And I know Kadri's having was well, he was having a better year until he got hurt. But you know, I would argue the Leafs got the better end of the deal. Like that's just me. They got yeah. more assets, and they got the second asset that they gave the Abs in Rosen back. So in reality, for, they got uh... four four things for the price of two. They gave up a third, and they gave up a third, and they gave up Kadri. For a defenseman that got 50% and, and of the salary. if you think oh, about it. Oh, okay, fi- okay fine. Then three. Okay, they gave up three things in that sense because they got Rosen back. Okay, I see what you're saying here. Yeah, but, yeah. like, I understand people wanting Kadri back because Kadri brought an edge. And I'm sure Kadri would have had a great year if he stayed and if the Leafs are 
playing the Lightning, which is what it looks like right now. I'm sure Kadri would definitely be a big help, but end of the day, he's not. And, you know, he's been hurt for, like, I think, like, what, over a month now? Maybe a little more? And, like, the fact that the Leafs have had Kerfoot, and, like, you compare both of the guys. Like, Kerfoot has 28 points on his season. Granted, he has less goals than Kadri. He only has 19 – or, sorry, he's not 19. He has nine goals, excuse me. Like, Kadri only has – like, Kadri has 36 points in, in 51 games. Like they're they're very similar players. Well, I, I, I was uh, I saw a stat saying that that five if you put the stats five on five, Kerfoot only has one less point. Yeah, which is really good. Like Kadri was is an amazing power play quarterback. Like when this is, like the first year that we got Matthews, like Kadri made that second power play unit like so deadly because yeah, he was really good on special teams both. I would, I would say the least power play has been good for since Keith since, took over. Well, yeah, but even when, uh, like for example, like going back to like uh, 2016, 2017, that power play was still very good. Same thing in, in 2018, because you know they had the least had so many weapons that they could use. Like Gardner was really good on the power play. Riley was the power play quarterback for for years. I mean. You know, JBR was the net presence that the Leafs needed. Now, I know it's John Tavares now, but JVR at the time was was amazing. And, like, Tyler Bozak, for as much as we ripped on Bozak, Bozak was really good on the power play. Which, I yeah. mean, I don't think the power play has been that big of an issue for the Leafs because they have the talent to back it up, especially scoring five on five. The issue is the penalty kill, which has been horse shit for like what 10 years it seems like more like what well, was one last... good thing one good thing over the last three games Leafs are six and oh killing penalty so hopefully they can keep that up well yeah let's talk about that stretch only this team would lose to a backup goalie who was a zamboni driver who played for or works for the toronto marlies and then respond by winning three straight games two real Really important ones against two really good uh, teams in Florida, in Tampa and the Panthers, and a very close contested game Saturday night against the Canucks. Like only Where? this team would do that. Well, like last time we recorded, it was like you had to hit the panic button on this team, and was like, is this team even going to make the playoffs? Like, what are they even doing? And now it's like, it's like everyone's completely different with their um their opinions on this team which like you said such a typical Leafs thing to happen but and like I, yeah no go ahead first yeah but like um honestly like like what Keith said after after the game I think was right like sometimes you just need to be embarrassed like I know that they've been embarrassed a few times but then there's like being embarrassed losing 5-2 to Pittsburgh or there's being embarrassed by losing to a Zamboni driver that your own franchise employed. Yeah, but, like, I, honestly, that was a wake-up. I think that was the turning point in their season. That was, like, a wake-up call for them. And, like, they've been playing much better, even with Muzzin out. They like, don't have their top two defensemen. I thought they've looked fine defensively their last three games. I think what really it comes down to is, like, fans 
attention span and fans like um, reactions split second because everyone expects good things to happen right away and the minute things don't go according to plan and the things start to struggle a little bit that's when you start to kind of look at it and go okay you know this is what i wanted i expected this team to be here which let's be honest we expected the Leafs to do better than 76 points but like you said when we recorded the last time the Leafs had like what set barely 70 points like 72 now they have 76, yeah. and the Panthers are now three points back of them, and they got shut out last night. As of recording, they got shut out last night by the Calgary Flames. Like, it's weird how things sort of like go through a sh- like a big shift in power, like within the span of a week, no less. Like it just goes yeah. to show you how, like, and again, like to look at other teams, not just the Leafs. Like, looking at the way that they, like, other teams have played, Philly's won six in a row, and no one's talking about it. And Pittsburgh's lost five in a row, and no one seems to about it. And I think that's also, like, I know that people are going to be hard on the Tor- on Toronto teams because of how big the expectations are set, but teams go through struggles all the time. Like, I don't know if you were on, tw- like, you were probably on Twitter last night because that's where we live. That's where I feel like all yeah. sports fans live. Like, mm-hmm. the, did you see Twitter after the the Rangers lost with Lundqvist in net and he gave up five? And then people were just going on and trashing Henrik Lundqvist because, oh, he's been bad for so long. You know, I, I've seen a common denominator in the Rangers losing, and it's always been Henrik Lundqvist. Like, Sports fans much... are so reactionary. Oh, 100%. And that's why I think, like, for our show – you know, I don't want to like toot our own horn, but we kind of want to give people a different perspective because you you always want to see what's on the outside. You don't want to always dive into it and say, okay, what's you know, what's different? What's going right? What's not going? And for to use the the Rangers one as an example, Lundqvist has been cold. You put a cold goalie in that situation, of course he's going to struggle. And like side note, I. I want the Rangers to make the playoffs just because I love Henrik Lundqvist. And, like, he hasn't been good, granted, within the last, like, how long has it been since they last made the playoffs? Like, three years or something like that? Some, yeah, something like that. Yeah. And the Rangers, I, I like, and again, going back to how teams shift on a, on a dime. Like, the Rangers last, like, early last week, they kept Chris Kreider... They traded Brady Shea for some reason. I don't really know why they did that, but that was surprising. But, like, they kept Kreider. Uh, they had Igor Shosturkin, who was playing phenomenal hockey. Granted, it's only 10 games, but that's a very good sample size for 10 games. Um, and literally, like, less than a week later, like, Kreider fractures his foot. They're down... Um, you know, now they're down Shusterkin and D'Angelo, I think, was the other one. Or no, Buchnevich. Uh, yeah, they both Buchnevich. got into a, They both got into a car accident. And then they lose this big game against Philly, and they're further down the totem pole. Like, like you said, sports fans are very reactionary. Like, there's still games to be played. Like, no one's really out of it. Like, have you looked at the West? Like The West is so West, bad, any team has a shot still almost. Now, I asked Luke this, 
on the uh, the Takes from the Nosebleeds podcast, our other podcast that we do run. And he said that the winners of the trade deadline were the Vegas Golden Knights. Who do you think won the trade deadline? In hindsight, now that it's been a full, full calendar week since the deadline's passed, as of recording. Honestly, I think it's Edmonton. Edmonton had a really busy day, and they did a lot to help strengthen their 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 uh, forward group, which was really not that deep at all. Like, I really like what they did on on trade deadline day. Yeah, I was I was gonna go with the Oilers as well, but obviously the injury bug sucks. Um, yeah, and I think they lost Athanasiu and Green right away, which really stings. Yeah, uh, well, like you said, hindsight is twenty twenty, right? Yeah, like right, you can't, so. you couldn't have like foresaw that. Uh, I like the Tyler, I like the Tyler Ennis deal though. I thought that they. I thought that I I predicted Tyler Ennis going to Edmonton. I feel like since Christmas because like everything was there, like league minimum contract, having a good year, really fast from Edmonton or from Alberta at least. I don't know if he's actually from Edmonton or not. Um, I think he is from Edmonton. Okay, yeah. So then that it, it was writing on the wall. He was gonna go and and be there. Um, and like. They didn't really give up that much to do it. Like, I think to me, personally, at least, like, who won the deadline, I was going to go with the Carolina Hurricanes because now you have a center core of Sebastian Ajo, Jordan Stahl, and now Vincent Trocek, and you basically gave up a bunch of maybes to Florida. You know, that... Yeah, for real. That was a good... They had a good day, too. And, you know, Brady Shea to help out that blue line. Like... I thought they were going to move for a goalie, but I guess they didn't really know the severity on Morazic or Reimer, so that's why they probably put, uh, you know, they probably put a pin in that. But even if Carolina doesn't make the playoffs, you know, granted the amount of injuries that they have, going into next season, like, I have them winning the Metropolitan Division, arguably, if they can get some goaltending. Yeah, well, it all depends on, like, which Peter Mrazek ends up showing up because, like, you know, I feel like Mrazek's very hot or cold. Yeah, he's a, he's a perfect example of a goalie who will have, like, uh, three really good games, but then he'll struggle for, like, four or five straight, which really just goes to show you how, like, goaltending is the hardest job in hockey, which I was, I'm actually looking at this now. Out, out of curiosity, I was looking at, like, the who had the least goals against for for everyone in the league and you know the avalanche are actually third i didn't expect them to be that high it goes boston dallas colorado uh the islanders the penguins coyotes columbus columbus is up there which is really crazy uh and that just kind of goes down and then ironically if you look at who has the most uh toronto is sitting uh very pretty with uh fourth or technically third because florida and Ottawa are tied for second, which is Ottawa's tied for second for for goals for most goals against. Like they have, they've allowed two hundred twenty. Oh. They've allowed two hundred twenty-four. Oh, okay. I thought it was for goals four. I was like, wait, that doesn't make sense. Oh no no no, goals four. I think it's still Toronto. That's the highest. Yeah, they're the highest by three goals goes to the Leafs. Tampa's right behind them with two thirty, which. It's basically the Leafs in a nutshell, which actually they have 78 points now. I lied. So, yeah, 
here's my question that I want to throw out there. Well, two questions. First, we'll talk about the upcoming California road trip because I have a question on who who you should start a goal for that. Because, okay, you're going to get Jack Campbell at least one game on the back-to-back in, in L.A. and Anaheim. But would you argue playing Campbell more? Or would you wait until maybe later in the season to make that call? I think you wait until later in the season because I think right now the Leafs are trying to get Freddie right. Like they want to give him more reps to see like if he can get out of the funk that he's been in. With if with, he was injured, yeah, with Freddie. With Freddie, I think. No, no, go ahead. Yeah, if he was injured, they would have pulled the plug on it already have Campbell be starting more but I think it's between the years with him right now so he's got a they're just trying to get him out of his funk I think with Freddie like he had a really good uh second half of the game against uh Vancouver on Saturday which he needed desperately because let's face it he was not having a fun time uh coming back from injury um but I would argue maybe putting Campbell um, against the Sharks because in addition to, uh, you know, getting, obviously, you know, Freddie Anderson back to what he was, I kind of want to see more of Jack Campbell. Like, I kind of want to see Jack Campbell in a way kind of like, you know, kind of like a 1A, 1B situation that the the Bruins are doing with uh, with Halak and Rask. I kind like of you don't really s- want to keep him on the bench too long either, so for it gets like cold or whatever. Right, and like I think with the schedule right now, like on paper, obviously the Sharks and Kings aren't too much, but, but they both, they all three of them, and the Ducks included, have all won multi games. I think they've all won at least two or three straight going into their games, so you shouldn't take them lightly. But looking at the Leafs' back-to-back situation, they only really have, you know, they have a back-to-back this coming week against uh, L.A. and Anaheim. Their next back-to-back is not until uh, near, the end of, near the end of the they month. They have another one. Yeah, Wednesday, Thursday, uh, the 25th mm. and 26th uh, in Tampa again and against Carolina. And they're both on the road. So that's going to be really hard to see. Uh, who you you put in, but obviously that's later in the month's problem. Um, I think personally, like okay, the California uh, games on paper again should be perfect games to get Freddie Anderson's confidence back to where it was. Like I think he should be able to beat the Sharks because they beat him earlier this year. Um, with the Kings. I don't know. I feel like you start Jack Campbell that game because I feel like Sheldon Keith's the kind of guy who will let players play in certain situations, like Jason Spezza playing against Ottawa. Yeah, we're still petty about that. Um, like Devin Shore, who are no Nick Shore. Sorry, I get I keep getting the Shore brother. I don't know. They're not brothers. What am I saying? Nick Shore played against Colorado, uh, which feels like yeah, forever ago. It was like forever ago. Like, it fe- like four months ago feels like an eternity. A year ago. <laughs> yeah, literally. Like not even in a sports context. Like in real life. Like we're already in March. Like for those that are in like college university, like they're done in like less than six weeks. 
So like it's it's getting crazy. I like this is down to the wire and especially with hockey season ending earlier this year, they don't, I think teams only play like a handful of games in April, maybe like two or three. I don't know yeah. how the schedule works. Yeah, it's all, like I remember last, yeah, like they only play like a week into April the regular season if that yeah, and then they go into the to the playoffs. So they get that weekend off, and then they go right into it. Like that's gonna be go like it's gonna be like the last three years, actually the last four years I would say. Uh, since actually no, yeah, three years I would say with um, you know, the Leafs being back in the playoffs, the Raptors going all the way to the to the NBA final last year, like TFC starting back up, the Jays are starting back up. If you work in downtown Toronto, God bless you, because that's going to be a pain in the ass going home, especially if you work, like, the night shift. Oh, like, just going home. My, my dad, he works. My dad works right next to Scotiabank Arena, and it is crazy for him to get out when there's Jurassic Park going on and, and the Maple Leaf Square all filled up with Leafs fans and stuff. <laughs> yeah, like, I went, like, I, I think I mentioned on the last show, like, I went two years ago. And, like, that was just me traveling from from home. Like, I remember, like, I had school that day, rushed home, went back. And I was just like, holy shit, like, getting home was a nightmare. But the good yeah. news was that so many people took the GO train that time. They either took the GO train or they went to the bar to go and drown their sorrows in beer because that was horrible. Um, but, yeah, like, it's going to be fun. But, okay, it's going to be fun when you start winning. Because I remember last, I can't remember when it was last year. It was like middle April last year. It was when the Raptors were playing Orlando and they lost game one. And everyone started to panic because they're like, oh, Lowry wasn't on the score sheet. Like, what's going on with the team? Like, is the dynamic different? Like, is they going to need to make a change? And then they come back and win like four straight. And everyone's just like, yeah, what was the problem? Yeah, I don't. I don't even remember that series. That's how irrelevant it was. And then it, yeah, literally, it ended up being. <laughs> if you look at the Raptors' like playoff run last year, like does anyone even remember? Like no one remembers the Orlando series. No. If they remember it, it's for Game One, like I mentioned. Everyone yeah. remembers the Philly series, the Bucks series, and then the the Warriors. That that's all they remember. Mm-hmm. That's like what the first um, first rounders of the NBA playoffs anyways, just like an extended regular season. Yeah, I think they really need to kind of like, I don't want to say fix the format, but, you know, like, because I know like obviously some teams will upset, um, they'll upset the, the top teams, not as frequent as say something like March. It's just that like in the NBA, you got like the six, seven and eight seeds making the playoffs, but they're under 500. Yeah, exactly. Which, like, I get you want, like, the inclusivity and you want, like, more teams to be involved and more, you know, participating in the league revenue. But, you know, again, like, I don't want a team that's under 500 making the playoffs. Like, in in hockey, I don't even remember the last, like, the last team to make the playoffs and, like, they had a really poor record. Like, I'm trying to look here. Like, okay, I'll, like... The, the the 2016-17 Leafs had 40 wins. Yeah, they had 40 wins, which was crazy. And like I'm looking back at the looking back at uh 15-16 as well. The Red Wings had 41 wins 
which equaled 93 points because they had 11 overtime losses. And that was good for third in the Atlantic. 93 points, like, four years ago now, was good in the Atlantic for third. And, like, now you, I'm looking I feel at like the, now you need, like, at least around 100 points. Yeah. And what's even sadder is that comparing them to the Bruins, Boston had 93 and missed the playoffs because they lost – actually, yeah, they had 93. They lost that last game against Ottawa. And then Philly won their last game, so they leapfrogged the Bruins, uh, I guess, in, in pity points and whatever. And, like, I'm trying to say, like, I'm looking I'm looking elsewhere. Oh, okay, here's one that's even better. The Minnesota Wild that year went 38-33-11. Good for 87 points on the year and made the playoffs. Damn. That's how <laughs> – like, that's, that's crazy because, like, teams will – and, like, looking at it this year, like, the team that's going to be on pace to make the playoffs with, like, the worst record, like, you can't even gauge because every single team is, like, hot and cold, hot and cold. Like, it's it, it's fun. As a casual fan, it's fun. But, like, you never really know. Like, right now for the Western Conference, for that final wild card spot, there are, like, five, four teams that are currently in the running for it. There's Nashville. Winnipeg, Arizona, and Minnesota is still surprisingly in it. Like, what? Like, I don't get it. None of those teams are like you see making any 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 difference in the playoffs. They're just gonna be there. Literally, yeah. Anyways, but uh, keep it on the playoffs. Let's bring this back to the Leafs. I want to know, like, like, okay, I'm I'm pretty sure they're gonna make the playoffs. Like. I'm not having the conversation of, oh, what if they miss the playoffs? Like, no, it's not going to happen. Like, they're either going to play Tampa Bay or Boston, or they're going to end up playing both if they make it past the first round. Like, well, how, how do you think their chances would be against, like, Tampa Bay or Boston going into the first round? Now, this is a question that I was going to ask you later, so I'm glad that you asked me first because oh, okay. I actually have an interesting take on it. So, when comparing Tampa and Toronto, they're both very similar. And I know some people are going to read that or hear that, and they're going to say, what the hell are you talking about? They're completely different. No. Nope. Here's here's where you, you kind of differ a little bit. When the Leafs are fully healthy, they are arguably the, the same, if not you know, identical to Tampa. Because, like, okay, Austin Matthews is their equivalent, or, or John Tavares is our Steven Stamkos. Yeah. Mitch Marner is our Braden Point. I would argue that Austin Matthews is our Nikita Kucherov, even though he's a center. Uh, Yanni Gord and uh, Kasperi Kapitan, very similar. Both have wheels, both can score. And there's um, William Nylander there, too. Yeah, William Nylander. And when comparing him to somebody on Tampa, like it's going to be very hard to say that because I don't really know. Like I would argue that Nylander and... Um, Maybe someone like Tyler Johnson would be similar because Johnson, I remember a few yeah. years ago, was I think he was like leading the team in scoring in the playoffs, and then he went yeah, cold. Yeah, he went, he went he cold really for well a little and... bit. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And the you know Tampa has youth that are are really really good, and, and guys like Anthony Sorelli. The Leafs have guys that are really really good and young, like you know Pierre Engvall and uh, and Ilya Mikheyev. Granted, they're older than Sorelli, but still. And, and you look at their blue line, like, okay, they have 
they have more right-hand options than us. Uh, like, Victor Hedman, I think, is better than Morgan Riley, but still. Hedman There's not and, much difference there, I don't yeah, think. The only difference is that Hedman is better in his own zone than Riley is. Like, I would say that as well. Yeah. Um, and, like, I'm looking at the rest of the roster, and, like, Mikhail Sergachev is kind of a little bit like Travis Dermott to me a little bit, where he's not flashy, he's not spectacular, but he gets the job done when you need him to. The only difference is that Sergachev is playing in the top four and has more points than uh, more points than Dermott for his entire career. Uh, but then you look at the rest of their decor. Like, okay, you have Kevin Shattenkirk, who is granted having a good year. You have Braden Coburn, who I forgot was still in the league, to be completely honest. Jeez. Yeah, so um, I. And, like, he's he's not horrible, but he's only got three points this year. So I guess he's more of a stay-at-home guy, which is fine. You need that. I think mm-hmm. that Jake Muzzin is better than that. Not to say that those two are comparables at all, but I would rather have Jake Muzzin than, than Braden Coburn on my team. You have Zach Bogosian, who you signed, you know – basically because he he wanted to win a Stanley Cup, and I guess Tampa's the way to do it. And already Tampa fans are not liking him. They are literally... Well, yeah, Zach Bogosian. You don't sign him if you need help on defense. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I would argue that Bogosian to them is our Cody Cece. And then you have, like, Eric Cernak, who... I don't know who he would be comparable to. Like, Rasmus Sandin, maybe, because they're both still very young. I think Cernak's better. A little bit. And then you have, like, the goaltending situation. I would argue that the Leafs is a little bit better. Like, okay, Vasilevsky's great. So, like, I'm not going to argue that. Vasilevsky's a top 10 goalie in the league. However, I, I was top. No, no, go ahead. to your point. No, if you can get Freddie right, then it the gap is a lot is a lot smaller between Freddie and, and Vasilevsky. Like, they're pretty similar If when, when Freddie's right. Right, exactly. And the thing is, is with Vasilevsky – you know, I, I brought this up with Luke again on, on the last show that we did, but he's leading the league at Vesna votes, and he's only got a 914 save percentage. Like, I don't understand that. There are goalies that are having way better seasons than Vasilevsky that deserve votes. And, like, it's, I said... It's his name. It's because of his name. Like, I said this... Like, are you saying it, like, just because of the name, like, because it has so much buzz, or the name because it's so big... They're just like, oh wow, this guy's got a lot of, you know, well, this guy's got a really because well, they look at the streak that Tampa has been on, and then they know Vasilevsky is like top goalie in the league, no matter what season it is at this point in his career. But so even, it's like, but even with that, Tampa's lost like what four in a row? Like, okay, they won their last game against they were, Calgary. Well, before that, they were on an eleven-game winning streak. Okay, fair, but still, like, it's still really mind-boggling to me. Like, in my opinion, my three nominees, I said this, my three nominees for the Vesna would be Zuka Rask, it would be Connor Hellebuck, and it would be uh, Ben Bishop. Those would be my three, because they're all consistent when they're healthy, they carry their team, and I would argue that all three of them deserve a Stanley Cup. Granted, Rask has one as the backup. Could have had one last year if the team in front of him showed up in Game 7 which I know we're Leaf fans and we shouldn't talk about Boston in Game 7. Um, but still, like, like Vasilevsky, I think, is be, being vastly overrated by the league. 
Um, and then you have like Curtis McElhaney, who was the goalie that Leafs Facebook prayed to every night because he was amazing. But like he only has a 908 save percentage. Like, did people forget that McElhaney was a vastly mediocre goalie before he came to Toronto? And he just, I don't know what happened. He can't even explain what happened. It was just, he caught luck. Yeah, he caught luck. And he, found, I guess he found confidence in the way that he was uh, in Toronto. Like, you know, he was from, like, you know, he grew up just outside of, uh, grew up just outside of the city in London. Like, you know, he's been there. Yeah. He's been all over the place. I guess he figured, okay, this might be my last shot. And then, like you said, maybe he caught lightning in a barrel. But yeah. McElhaney, like, he's 30, yeah, he's 36. He's not amazing. And what's really weird is that they called, is that Tampa called up Mike Condon, who I forgot was a player, which, oh my God, if you want to talk about fall-offs, yeah. dude, like this guy, this poor guy. So let me just read you. Uh, you know, Mike Condon's last few years. So he had a 902 in 17-18 with Ottawa. He played two games with Ottawa in the 18-19 season and had a dead save percentage at 800. He played one He played one game in Belleville, had a save percentage of 739, which is not great. Uh, he played one game this past year for the Charlotte Checkers, and has a 7.89 save percentage. Then with the Syracuse Crunch, he has an 8.77 save percentage. And it got so bad that he was demoted to the ECHL and had an 8.67 save percentage in four games. Oof. This poor guy, man. Like, it, that goal that he allowed against Arizona two years ago, like, the poor guy. Like, he just yeah. hasn't been right since. Hmm. Which I would so, argue that's like, yeah. but yeah. So anyways, just to go back to the question, sorry. Would you think that the Leafs have a shot against either Tampa Bay or Boston? I think, considering the playoff circumstances, if the Leafs play Tampa, that would be arguably one of the best playoff series in the first round. Yeah. Like, okay, let's look at the rest of the playoffs. If the playoffs were to start today, let's be those snobby, honestly, let's be those people that are in the studio and say, like, if the playoffs start today, like, who would they who would they beat? Yeah. Boston would play Columbus, which was a series last year, and I think Boston should be able to beat the Blue Jackets, even though Boston, even though Boston's lost both games against Columbus this year. You'd have the Islanders playing the Capitals again. Now, the reason why I say again is because, actually, I don't want to say again, because this was, like, five years ago. Yeah. That was, like, the last time that they played each other. That would be pretty evenly matched, but I think Washington has I the like edge. the Capitals in that one. Yeah. You got Pittsburgh and Philly again. It's That's always the, a great series. Because these two hate each other, which th- these guys will literally probably go. I would say they, this team could probably go at least six. I don't know if they'll go seven. Um, depends on Philly's goal. Then you got Nashville, St. Louis, which is weird. Um... Colorado, Dallas, which I really want to see. That would probably be one of the best playoff series in the West. You have Vancouver and uh, Vegas, which should be interesting. Now, I know, as you said, 
the Leafs and Light. I know I said the Leafs and Lightning would be the playoff series to watch, but considering I'm looking at it right now and Calgary and Edmonton are currently slotted to play each other, I want that to stay. Please, God, let us have it. But Yeah, I know. But back to my point. All of that. Yeah, yeah. Like, okay. It's gonna be a di- it's gonna be a different series than a Pittsburgh Philly, than a uh, Calgary Edmonton. These two teams don't hate each other, but these two teams have something to prove. Because Tampa got embarrassed last year in four, they didn't even win a game, and Toronto got embarrassed when leading after, you know, after game five. They both need this win. Now, if Toronto wins this series then I think people would say either expectations would obviously get higher, but I feel that would be good for the team because now they have that taste of winning and they're going up against what many people are saying as the definitive Stanley Cup champions. If Tampa loses the series to the Leafs of all teams. They're cleaning house. The players are going to start moving. Now, when I say players are going to start moving, I'm not going to say Nikita Kucherov. I'm not going to say Steven Stamkos, Braden Point, all them. I think guys like Andre Pollard are going to get moved. I think guys like Yanni Gord are going to get moved. Guys like Tyler Johnson are going to get moved. And guys like uh, Ryan McDonough are going to get moved. Those are the moves that you need to make because this core has had a window for, I would argue, six years. Like, like. Look at the last few years that Tampa's been in the playoffs. And I know I sound like I'm hating on them, but I'm not. I like the team. 2014, they were great. They lost Ben Bishop. They got swept by the Habs. That's unfortunate. Whatever. Blame it on the injury bug. Because it was. It was a valid reason. 2015, they go to the Stanley Cup final, losing six to the Blackhawks. Ben Bishop kills his groin. Poor guy. Then 15-16, they had another chance. They get squeaked out by the Penguins. Whatever. 2017, the team's a zombie, barely missed the playoffs because everyone was getting hurt. Yeah. 2018 was their shot to go to the final, and they choked against the Caps. Ironic, because the Caps were labeled as chokers. And last year was their most embarrassing season yet. Consi- now, okay, five, six years removed compared to what was it three yeah three really disappointing playoff losses okay two really because the washington one we weren't that upset about let's be real but again those two losses to boston stung like hell because it's the same narrative over and over again we want to break that narrative this series has the potential if it stays this series because i think realistically they can't the, the Lightning can still catch Boston, but it's not likely. I think this game, this series could go seven games. And, and I don't know. I don't know who's going to win each, but is there more of a 50-50 chance with Tampa? I'd say so. I don't know what you think, well, but I would say so. Yeah, well, I'm going to give my opinion on this. There's two things. like the why. There's two reasons why I think that the Toronto Maple Leafs can beat any team that's thrown in front of in the playoffs. Yes, I know I sound like one of those overconfident fans after seeing what the Leafs have been through this year and all that. But one, 
the last two seasons, the Leafs have coasted their way into a playoff spot. Since, like, in February, March, and even part of January of the season before, they already had their playoff spot locked down. So they were just gliding into the into the postseason, not not really caring or about much. And, like, that really doesn't – I don't think that's the way you want, want to go into the playoffs because, like, you – you want to play competitive hockey going into the playoffs. Like, look what it did for Columbus last year. So I think, like, them needing playing competitive games before the playoffs, needing to kind of fight their way in, will help them out in that sense. And also, they're they're on a three-game winning streak without two of their best defensemen, no Ilya Mikheyev and no Andres Janssen. If they could continue playing, like, how they've been playing over the last three games, and then you have a healthy Morgan Riley, a healthy Jake Muzzin, and Ilya Mikheyev back for the playoffs. If they were playing that well without them, what can they do with a team like that? And the right team shows up, God willing, knock on wood. You know, like, like, like you can't tell me that this team can playing like that without their top two defensemen is not going to be able to beat either Tampa Bay or Boston, which is what I'm hearing a lot of in media and in the Twitter sphere. I think it's also like to touch on your point, like it's how the Leafs have been playing this year. What can they do with a healthy Riley and Muzzin? Like to me, like I want Muzzin back like ASAP with Riley. I want to kind of ease him back in the lineup because the Leafs are obviously so stacked on the left side. Like they have Muzzin, they have Dermot, they have, you know, Sandine, uh, Marinson, uh, Rosen now. They have five guys they can slot into that category. So it's not so but much... none of them are Morgan, or, or Morgan right. Riley. No, none of them are Morgan Riley. But if I want Morgan Riley back in the lineup, I want a Morgan Riley who's healthy. I want the guy who put up... Okay, I'm not going to get the guy who put up like 70 points last year. That's just not going to happen. But I want the guy who can, you know, jump up in the rush and... and create offense and also, you know, maybe throw the body a little bit. But with Riley, like, I'm hoping that with this injury, once it's healed, which it looks like it's progressing well, considering it was like a fracture on his foot, and now that he's skating on it, that's that's pretty good. I'm hoping whatever was bothering him early in the year, because he had a lower body injury. I think it was like an abdomen issue. Yeah, he was playing was, through it. Yeah, I'm hoping that has also healed as well. Because if you have both uh, injuries to cope with, not just one, you're not exactly going to be playing the same, you know, kind of hockey that you want to play. Well, I think that's what they're doing, though, at least. They're not going to bring it back until both those are figured out. Yeah. And also, like, once CC and and Riley are back from, from injury then you kind of got to look at, okay, who do we take out of the lineup? Because there are going to be a lot of people right now looking at that least lineup. You're going to have to drag out kicking and screaming. Like Pierre Engvall for a long time. Pierre actually, Engvall's not coming out of the lineup. That's also, not happening. Uh, while on the topic of that, uh, Chris Johnson just tweeted that uh, Morgan Riley and Cody Cece are on track to return at some point next week. So... Basically, within the next week, so looking at the Leafs' schedule right now, after the California road trip, when they uh, come back and their next game after they play Anaheim is against Tampa at home, they are projecting that they will gonna they are gonna get CC and they are gonna get 
Wiley so, back. So that that's big. So come playoff time. Sorry to interrupt. But come playoff time, where do you see um where, where do you see Cody Cece in the in the lineup? Because like I know I was kinda like clowning on him when the episode first started. But I think if you put him in the right spot, he could be a useful player. But just not on the top pairing. Yeah, I think obviously with um like I don't know what like, I hate to to drag up to drag up a dead horse and like beat it to death, but when Mike Babcock was still here, which again feels like forever ago, like we said before, yeah, um, when he glued CC to Riley, I don't know if he felt that like okay Riley's our best defenseman, maybe he could provide some tutelage and some advice to uh, a guy who struggled. I don't know if that was his mindset going into it. But as you said before, yeah, CC does not need to be on the top pair. So what I would say is once the Leafs are healthy again, I would put Jake Muzzin on the top pair with Justin Hall, mainly because I don't want to give Riley those taxing minutes right away. Because I know he might want them, and I know he is used to it, but with a foot injury that bad, you don't want to risk re-aggravating the injury or, you know, hurting somewhere else on your leg or somewhere else on your body. So I would go uh, with Muzzin Hall as your top pairing, or at least as your shutdown pairing, and then you ride think, that all night. Yeah, I think that that was the shutdown pairing when everyone was, was healthy, quote-unquote. Yeah. So I would say, since that was your shutdown pairing, I know it's not the best pairing that you could ask for, but it's a shutdown pairing that you, you're used to, both guys are used to playing with each other. I would do that and have them shut down Tampa's top guys, the Kucherovs, the the points, the you know whoever else who's on that top line, you know yeah. even Steven Stamkos, depending on if he comes back from injury that at that time or not, we don't know. Uh, then I would probably have Riley playing with, I would say Riley playing with Barry, but. At the same time, I don't know if I would like that. As much as I like both moving the puck up, because I know both players are good puck movers and they could get the puck in the zone, I don't know exactly what it would entail with that. So I would probably put Riley, depending on the circumstances, I would put Riley with Dermot, and that, because that's what I know a lot of the Leaf fans were clamoring for last season yeah. to get Ron Hainsey off yeah, of his I'd wing. like that. And then your bottom pick, I mean, I don't know what you can really do. You could argue, you could do Sandine and CC, which I think they were doing a little bit before. Then where do you CC put Barry? Effort. Oh, you're right. Yeah, I forgot. With Barry, somebody has you, to come. I, I, like, think with, with I Barry, like Barry Sandine, though. I think with this, once uh, CC and Riley come back. Like they have to make some corresponding moves. I think Rosen gets sent down, which he is waivers exempt, so he'll probably, pass through waivers. It's gonna be Ro- Rosen and Liljegren are gonna go down most likely, and then Marinchin will be your your seventh guy, and then it would probably go Muzzin Hall, like I said, Dermot Bear or Ry- okay fine, I guess Riley Barry in this scenario, and then do Dermot CC, and then have Sandine as your Sandy to Marinch and as your extra guys. But, you know, I don't know. Maybe Rasmus Sandin might go back down to the AHL. And I think that might be. I don't think be- so. I think they, they, they burnt the year of his ELC and they're going to make the most of it. 
Because like, right. I really liked his game for the most part, Sandine. But the thing is, maybe you b- play based on, like, based on matchups. Like, yeah. you don't have the, that lineup set in stone based on, like, like you do it based on what the other team is doing. Like, oh, for this instance, we're for saying the Leafs would play Tampa Bay or whatever. Yeah, and that's a really hard uh, situation to be in just because you have like, so I much could, talent. Like, come playoff time, I could see Sandine and um, CC like, like, going in and out of the lineup with each other. Yeah, I would argue that. I think, uh, especially if the... Like, if everybody's back and everybody's healthy, then you can kind of gauge, okay, who, who will slot into the lineup. And I think with the Leafs, they have so much versatility right now, especially with Sandine up with the team and have played, I don't want to say enough, but he's played, you know, he's played 26 games. That's well over, you know, the halfway point of the season. Or at least one-third of the season, I would say. Not, not half. Mm-hmm. But then... yeah. What I would say to that is, okay, say, I don't know, say Dermot CC doesn't work out the way that you wanted to, then you could try Sandine on the lineup, and then you can do maybe Sandine Dermot, and then you could roll with that. Which there's so I many mean, options, which is I a know. good problem to have right now. And I think right now, especially with now, we uh, we found out uh, Perkers Johnson, by the way. Shout out to CJ, he's he's great. Um, he didn't tell me it, by the way. I found it on Twitter. Um, but we don't have those connections yet. I, I hope one day I can at least have a conversation with him. I've met Kyle Bukowskis, but that's it. Um, but yeah, going back to that, I think it's perfect that that they're expecting them to come back now because it's not rushing them and it's not, you know, taking their time. They're kind of coming back and slotting back at the right moment because now if there are any kinks in their game, or, you know, any kinks or whatever, they can have a few games to kind of ease yeah. it out, kind of relax back into it. It's not so, like, sorry, for sorry example, interrupt, like Jake Arden. We were talking about this earlier per Paul Hendrick right now on Twitter. Uh, Campbell's going to start on, on uh, against San Jose tomorrow. Oh, so he is going to start. Okay, all right, good. And Sandine is going to sit. Oh, so he's – okay, so that makes sense. So I think what's going to happen there – is yeah, there's gonna be some some moves that I knew were gonna happen, or that I know were gonna happen. Excuse me. Um, sitting Sandine was surprising. I'm wondering if they're doing this to maybe get Rosen in a game. Well, no. Well, sorry. And then I think they're doing. Um, so Sandine's coming out of the lineup and Lilligren's going in. Oh, okay. So I guess they're kind of like using. I feel like Lilligren probably wants to get in just because he hasn't. Like he's only played like maybe like what three or four NHL games. Like, it's not it's not a big sample size. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's only, he, oh, he's only played nine, my bad. Um, and, yeah, he hasn't really been great, but... But know, he's shown flashes of what he can do and how he can be useful. It's just like... Yeah. I think that's what they kind of want to do, and I think especially against the Sharks, um, they're definitely, like, considering the Sharks are where they are and that they managed to beat them earlier in the year, and they're obviously a lot you know, worse for wear considering their injuries. Uh, I mean, they got Couture back, which was big. Uh, Evander Kane's been big for them. Um, but, like, they're down at Tomas Hurdle. They're down at Eric Carlson. I think Timo Meyer was hurt. Okay, 
okay, no, he was hurt. He's not hurt anymore. But I think this is like, like, like I said before, like Campbell starting that this game, it's you know load management for for Freddie because you don't want to, you know, you don't want to tax the guy. It's like you know how in, in baseball, you know, you want to sometimes give your pitchers extra rest so you kind of yeah, yeah. like have them skip a start and then that gives them like a week off. Like Campbell's played four games for the Leafs and he's made a strong impression. Like mm-hmm. there's how many games left? So there's there's after sixteen. So there's yeah, there's about sixteen or seventeen games left on the season. Right now, with the amount of games that he's played, Freddie Anderson has started in over fifty. He started in exactly fifty games. So say you have like we said, sixteen, seventeen games left. I would say that. You could you could argue you could split them both in half if it's 16 and say maybe you give eight to Anderson eight to Campbell depending on that um, which I feel like that might be what they're doing because I feel like they want to cap Anderson at, uh, at least the maximum 60 games which is what they did last year which I don't know how they did it last year with their their goaltending situation uh, but yeah. they, now that they have some more stability they they can afford to do that. Um, and, you know, obviously there could be setbacks in guys like Riley and CeCe's return, and those guys could also put more, you know, with those guys not in the lineup, the pressure for Anderson kind of, you know, continues to go up. I think with Campbell going in and he's solid, like, I would ride him, especially, like, the first two games of the back-to-back, maybe give him that next game uh, against the Kings, have him play his first game back in L.A., I would say that's that. That's what I have a feeling Keith is going to do because Keith's always like, like you said earlier, Keith is always like doing that for his players. Yeah, and he's also like, I think he's also like been really big with like, you know, playing, like I said, like playing people in certain situations, like Nick Shore against Colorado, his hometown. He um, called up um, from the Marlies, what's his name, that Finnish American defenseman, Kivilainen. Oh, uh, oh. Kitty Holme, is that what his name is? Yeah, yeah I, I know I know he called him up when they played. I think it was also Carolina. No, no, not Carolina, uh, Colorado, my bad. Just uh he 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 was just the seventh guy, but you know, he's from Minnesota. Or no, it was against Minnesota. And he's from Minnesota, so they allowed him to uh it was one of those games. I don't remember which one exactly, but yeah, they called him up and he was able to go see his family and stuff there. Yeah, so yeah, and, Keith was like, always like doing stuff like that. And Kevin Gravel as well. Like he's been up and down like a lot this year. Well, and, like one I didn't story know that I he heard. had that. Yeah, he had that that issue. I can't remember what the issue was by name. Yeah, um, was it a? I don't want to say anything if I'm not 100 percent sure. I don't want to. I know what but, you're talking yeah. about because there was an athletic article that I read about it. Uh, I just can't mm-hmm. remember what it was. It, I I want to say it was something with indigestion. I can't remember exactly. He had basically he was out for like a few months with it. And then on, when he was active to play, Keith called him up so he can have his first time back on the ice with the Leafs <laughs> instead yeah. of the Marlies. And then you can also, like, you know, talk about, like, the Leafs medical staff is probably better than, say, the Marlies medical staff. So maybe the call-ups were to, hey, maybe this doctor can help you with your situation or maybe you have an appointment or whatever. So I definitely think that it's definitely an interesting deal. And, you know, 
a lot of the players at the least had, like Korshkov getting called up this year, he got that opportunity, which he made the best out of. It almost makes yeah. me feel kind of bad that Jeremy Bracco did not get a game this year because he's been wanting to play in the NHL. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Did you hear about the leave that he took? Oh yeah, he uh, he was he sat a few games for for personal reasons, which you can all you can automatically basically translate into I want to trade if I'm not going to get called up, which you know you, you feel for the guy. Because you know you want you want. He's to see been guys in the organization like for like four years now. Yeah, he's 22. He's he was the same draft year as Marner. Like he wants to play in the NHL. Yeah. Same thing with uh same thing with Nick Patan. Like he wants to play, and like I know, I'm sure the Leafs want to trade him, but they probably don't want to trade them for nothing. So I think that's probably the why they just, kind of, they're too deep. They're too deep. Yeah, like, they're too <laughs> deep right now with with players like Pontus Aberg was was big. Um, yeah, like, I think. To be completely honest with you, like looking at this team, you know, from the outside looking in, like I like the way that they're structured. I like the the players that they have in their in their organization, especially if they have an injury. They have guys they can slot in, which is big, yeah. especially for you know this time of the year. You know, if they wanted to maybe do like in baseball, like you know September call-ups, which they won't do that anymore um in baseball but it's kind of like that it's like hey you know we want to see what we have which given the cap it's hard to do but they they pulled it off i think they did pretty well with it okay so you want to want to move over to basketball now we've been on the lease for over an hour now oh god yeah i think we need to i think we need to give our listeners something uh something Something different yeah i guess i should mention like once we tweeted out like if you want like we got to figure out like to timestamp it maybe like down the line i know it's probably time consuming but it's okay maybe, like, i could do that in post i got it i got you guys right. covered cool 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 all right so when one team is doing well the other team obviously has to do poorly because everyone forgets that the raptors won like 16 games was it like a month ago, like yeah. less than a month ago so 15-game winning streak before the All-Star Right, break. They, had, they had 15 games, my bad. And then they come back from the All-Star break. You know, they had a few really good games. They had that amazing game against the Pacers. And now they've lost three straights, and everyone's starting to panic. But I don't think they should because, like, okay, they had that really goofy carnival game against the Bucks, where they literally – like, I don't know if you, you watched it. Like, the first five minutes, like, no one could make a basket. It was yeah, really yeah. fun. Uh, but then, yeah, like, the, the Bucks proved that, you know, at the end of the day, they were they're the best team in the NBA. They were the Bucks. Like, Giannis was big. I think a lot of people don't really give Chris Middleton the, you know, the respect that he deserves because he's been having a tear this year. Um, but in reality, yeah, they kind of like, they made the Raptors humble a little bit. Like, I don't know if it's like, this was a reality check or anything. Like, I'm not really sure what to, to make of it. And especially after, you know, this one, it triggered the, the loss to Charlotte. It triggered the loss to Denver on, uh, Sunday night. Oh, uh, they that, pre- that loss to Charlotte. I don't know if you saw that call at the end of the game. That was <laughs> a little, a little little iffy to say the least well yeah that's officiating in a nutshell like that's that's just nba officiating they're they're very goofy i mean every yeah but they're making a call like call like that in the last second of the game basically 
Yeah, that's uh, giving that's and then throwing a technical at him too. Like, come on, what are you doing? Yeah, like I understand in the NBA, yeah. it's all about like respect and oh, you you got to earn your calls. And they're defending champs, and they're not getting anything still. But oh, I digress. Yeah, that's that's still something that's gonna go against them. Uh, and obviously against Denver, it really sucked because they didn't have. Uh, Serge Ibaka, and they didn't have Fred Van Vliet, which really stung because those two are, I would argue, integral parts of the team. Well, I don't want to argue They've been with injured them. all year. They keep, I know. You like, talk about the Leafs being injured. I think the, I think the I, Raptors have think, been uh, affected more by injury. Honest to God, like I think every single Toronto team, I feel like within the last few years, everyone has not been like prone. Like Everyone's been prone to injury. Like, okay, you look at the Raptors, okay, last year they were pretty healthy because of load management and whatever. This year, like, Powell's out, Gasol's out, Ibaka, uh, Siakam was out for a while, uh, Van Vliet was out for a long time. Um, you know, Kyle Lowry, I think, what, he, like, fra- like he fractured something. I'm not fractured, but he sprained his wrist or something, and he was out for a while. Like, I'm trying to think of, like, who else was hurt. Like, they, were, they had all well, this Gasol has like, still been out. Yeah, Gasol's still been out. Uh, Matt Thomas was out for a long time. Um, they basically didn't have uh, OG Ananobi, who had a great game against the Nuggets, but they didn't have him for that whole playoff run, and they still managed. Yeah. I think, though, what's, what I love about this Raptors team, and like you know, basketball's not necessarily my forte in terms of I'm still kind of new to it. I'm still kind of like learning you know, the ins and outs of the game. But what I do love watching about this team and how it's built is that when one guy drops the ball you know figuratively not literally but if one guy struggles then another guy will come and pick it up you know like if say Pascal Siakam has an off night okay Kyle Lowry will step up and he'll take the the brunt of it okay Kyle Lowry's having an off day well here's Fred Van Vliet you know if they if all three are bad, here's Terrence Davis out of nowhere turning into a superstar, which is amazing because he's been unbelievable. Next, next man up mentality, man. It's a, yeah. it's a system, and they're buying into it. You don't and want to buy into Nick Nurse's system, then you're gone. Like look at look at Stanley Johnson. Like they've got him. Like okay, yeah, his whole career he hasn't panned out. He's a lottery pick, but like he's not getting any minutes, and it's probably he's not buying in. Like an undrafted guy over a lottery pick is. And Terrence, and Terrence Davis Jr. is, like, getting way more minutes. And I don't know, those yeah. to show you, like, like, this team, they're a great example to, to look at when it comes to work ethic. Yeah, with, with work ethic, and they're deep as well. Like, their bench is very good. Whenever Chris Boucher comes off the bench, I feel like he at least does something big. Which just I mean, he did have you. the best game against the Nuggets last night, but, well, but yeah, overall, yeah, he's been... He's been pretty yeah, well. Yeah, he had a big block, I think, a few games ago. I can't remember who they were playing. Um, but he had a big block or a big steal against uh, another team, which was big. Uh, Patrick McCaw started the season very, like, unnoticeable. But he's had some spurts, too, of where he'll, you know, start to come in and be a, a huge member of the team. Um, but with the Raptors, like, you know, this is, you know – March is a tough month for them because, you know, they had the Bucks. That was the big game to end February. Um, you know, then they had the Char- they had the Hornets. They could have won that game, but obviously, like you said, officiating is neither here nor there. Considering they basically only ended 
they ended like out of the All Star break, they've struggled. Like they're they've only have two wins in their last six games. Like it's not it's not ideal. Or is no. it six games? I can't do math. Um, yeah, they've lost. Okay, yeah, four. Yeah, so six games. Like it's not ideal, but you know you got the Suns tomorrow night. On um again we're recording this on Monday. Um, but you got the Suns, you got Golden State, who you guys broke last year. They, uh, you should, the, they should win those two. Yeah, and then you have the Kings as well, who aren't that great. They like, should. The only there's three wins that they should have right there. Yeah, and I don't want to discredit the remainder of their schedule, but like, okay, you have Utah, which is going to be a struggle. You have the Pistons, who shouldn't really be a struggle, because you know what they are. Uh, like you got Golden State again. You got the 76ers. You guys have shut down all season long. Like you guys have made the 76ers your bitch this season. Like I'm not even kidding. Like it's been unreal. Yeah. You got the Celtics, who is going to be a big. And then like the next three games after that game are the Celtics, the Nuggets, and the Lakers. Those three are going to be big. Now I believe did they beat the Lakers this year? I think they did. They did like, in in they, LA. Like, yeah, like way back when. I don't think I don't even think. Like that was, they like, were, near the beginning of the season. Yeah, it was, like, one of the first few games. Like, I'm, I'm just trying to, like... Yeah, they won 113-104 to 104 in L.A., which was huge. And what was even more huge was... Or, almost even more... What was even, you know, bigger in that sense was they did it, and you look at that team, both LeBron and, you know, Anthony Davis were playing, and Kuzma and Danny Green and all of them. They were at full strength. So... Like, this Raptors team could beat, realistically, they could beat any team in, in the NBA still. Like, you, can never count, you can never count them. I don't care who they're playing. I don't care how much they're down by. You can't count out these guys. Oh, for sure. I think they proved it. And, you know, I know it's hard because, you know, basketball's a long, it's a long season. You know, it's a long season. You're, you know, you're on the road a lot. You don't really have much breaks, even though the league is considering a schedule change for you down the line, which I'm not really for, but that's besides the point. Like, you know, this is where I think right now, like, okay, Raptors are making the playoffs hundred percent, but I think right now, you know, now's the time where it's like, okay, maybe start resting a few players down the line, especially against like, you know, soft, I don't want to say soft games, but against games, games against opponents that you're not really worried about, like, you know, this upcoming, you know, Western road trip, I would argue, you know, maybe go out and, uh, you know, rest a few players for this, you know, like against yeah. Golden State, who's already banged up against uh, San- Sacramento, who really isn't great. Like, I would argue maybe make some, uh, you know, go ahead and make some moves, putting some guys in, maybe giving guys like... Uh, Terrence Davis to start, and uh, yeah, that's really all there is to it. I think the Raptors, yeah, they've lost three straight, but they'll be fine. I'm not if worried about proven, them at all. Exactly. If it was if if the streak lasted longer than five, then we would start to get worried. Even though they are basically a lock for the playoffs right now, at least. But you know, I think they'll again they'll be fine. They they've been here before. Adversity, I feel like, is this team's strongest uh, asset. So it's good to see, you know, them kind of 
rise out of this because I feel like they will. I don't know. That's just me. No, I, I agree with you. Yeah, I think uh, like basketball. The good the good news is is that you know there's there's so many games over the course of uh, over the course of the year. Like it's just really. It's just really, it can go either way. And that's why I think, like, the NBA now is so, you know, it's a lot more exciting because it's not the same two teams going to, you know, the final every time. It's not Golden State versus LeBron every year. There's parity. Exactly. And that's what I like to see. I like to see parity Mm -hmm. in in a league. Yeah, like Uh, in, in the NHL, for example, like, you can have the best team against the worst team and the worst team will still win 30% of the time. Oh, exactly. This that, That's a perfect point. Like, you know, and, you know, looking at teams, like, the state, like, I can't even put words together. Um, But looking at hockey, people predict Stanley Cup champion, and they're always wrong. Because you can't, everyone... You can't predict it. Yeah, you can't, which is what I love the most about hockey, is that you never know who is going to win the friggin' trophy. Because everyone's different. Like, okay, there was, you know, the same few teams. It was like Hawks, Kings, Hawks, Kings, Hawks, Kings, whatever the case may be. But regardless of that, you know, you you go ahead and you bring in those, you know, you bring in, you know, teams that weren't even close to winning the Stanley Cup. Like, who had Washington winning in 2018? Nobody. You know, who had, had St. Louis winning last year? That too, exactly. Nobody had. Nobody these. had the Kings winning the first year they won the cup. They're an eighth seed that just barely. Yeah, they, into bar- a they barely spot. made it. They were like the last team in, which just goes to show you again, like, you know, things change on the dime, and I I love seeing parity in in sport because, in reality, they need, you know, they need to go out and. Uh, you know, they need to have different teams go out and prove that they're better. Because if you're not having successful teams and you're having the same people win all the time, then, you know, what does that show the rest of the league? It's like, oh, you know, these markets aren't good. We're going to have to relocate these teams or, or whatever that case may be. Yeah. So, you know, it's hard. Speaking of a sport with not much parity, do you want to get into some baseball talk? Oh, God, yeah. Um I don't think – okay, like, you know, in terms of, like, baseball, the Astros are kind of beaten to death. Literally, they're getting pelted. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be – I'm really excited about baseball this season. Like, with the way that things are going right now, um, with, uh, you know, with the way that the, the Jays look on paper and the way that players are playing right now in, uh, in spring training, like, I'm, I'm excited. Like, I'm I don't excited know. for the Blue Jays. Yeah, and this, like, what, no, go ahead first. This this Blue Jay season is reminding me of Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner's rookie year for the Leafs. Like you, you they're a team with a whole bunch of young talent. They're just gonna go in, have fun, playing with house money, just seeing what they can do. And that's usually when the best. That's usually the the best thing you can get a team to do is just tell them go out there and play. Yeah. And I love how this team is essentially, they're at a point where it's like, okay, you know, we're not expected to win, 
but that's not an excuse to go out and try. Yeah. And I think that's the mantra that they want this team to go out and uh, and accomplish because, you know, we've seen teams who are just overconfident and they're like, oh, I'll have my job and, you know, whatever that case may be. Um, but, you know, in addition to that, the way that this team is structured, and I think it's good, and I, I talked about this again, like I hate plugging the other show that we do, but like on the no, on the last Nosebleeds episode with uh, with me and Luke, we were just talking about how, you know, in the for, in the last little bit, especially with the Blue Jays, the culture has changed significantly. Like I I read an article, and you know, it was basically talking about how bad the Jays lineup like was because like I remember they had like you know Escobar. And they had all these guys who just were, you know, awful and they weren't, you know, team players and they had their own attitude issues. Now, like, Shapiro and Atkins have come in and they've completely changed the culture, which I think is a big deal. Like, in baseball, you want to have a team that's, you know, a, a big team that's, you know, built on pride, built on, you know, determination and built on, you know, gratitude. So that's what I think this Jays team is right now. Like they're they're in a perfect scenario to basically just not coast, but you know play just play baseball. Like you don't have to worry about you know attracting people to seats. They'll come in time. You know just just go and do that. Like I I think that's a perfect way to sum it up. Like I don't know. Like, I yeah, think that pretty much hits it on the head. Yeah, like, um, so do you think uh, Pearson's going to make the team out of camp, or are they going to give him the, the Vladimir Guerrero treatment? Oh, my God, I want him in the lineup so bad. And, like, with, with the with the injuries that the, the rotation has had, you know, to guys like uh, Barucki not being ready, um, you know, guys like, uh, like Chase Anderson got lit up a lot yesterday. Like, if they have an injury, God forbid, in the bullpen, like, I want, or in the rotation, I want Nate Pearson in the lineup because he's, right now, I would arguably think he's one of the best pitchers in Major League Baseball. And, well, to not pitch a game because, you know, you never know. But, you know, to me, who he reminds me of, he reminds me of Lucas Giolito a little bit because I remember Giolito came up and he was like, you know, he wasn't, bad per se but he struggled i think pearson's going to do better but i think he's going to end up being that lucas giolito that young player who could anchor the rotation especially if they are um what's the word i'm looking for especially if they're uh you know struggling or say they want to give hinging ryu some off days i think that's pretty that's a pretty big deal i would say yeah, I think I, he I gets the the Vladimir Guerrero Jr. treatment just because, like, like if you can preserve one more year of his, uh, what do you call it, of, of his MLB service time, I think as a franchise, that's the smart thing to do. Obviously, I'd want to see him make the team out of camp, but just based on the business model and how dumb the MLB can be when it comes to their CBA and all that, you just kind of got to... 
You just, yeah. I feel like you, you'd be dumb not to. Yeah, if you want to look at, like, the most complicated CBA in all of sport, like, I don't know what's worse between the MLB and the NBA in the NFL, I don't know which one's more complex. I want to say the MLB, just because there's the MLB's so many rules. far more complex. Yeah, like there's so many rules that have like stood for, God, I don't know, like e- like years, like decades, and like no one knows what the rules are until they happen, and then they'll say, oh, okay, we'll put a rule change in, and then they just don't. It's really, it's really lazy, if you ask me. Yeah. Like I, I don't really. Else to, to There's not really that. much to say. There's not really much happening in baseball other than, oh, spring training and look, another Astros player got hit. <laughs> yeah, that's literally what I'm what, I, what the best way that can be describing spring training is. It's just basically, okay, who's gonna get plunked or who's gonna like plunk the Astros today? Yeah, especially for this season. So. Yeah. Actually, like, one funny I, thing I heard. Know. Have you heard about how the um. Because the Dodgers and Astros don't play this year, but apparently a whole bunch of Dodger fans have been buying tickets to the games in L.A. at the Angel Stadium um, to go see the Astros just to just to mess with them. Oh, I think that's that's amazing. I want to yeah. see like all the the Astros fans basically just like you know rip all of the you know all of the the crap that they've been through and whatnot like i want to see all of these players just get heckled like i don't know if like if you go on like instagram you'll just see like people heckling them and like from a person standpoint you kind of feel bad but then you put in the context of what they did and you're just like okay like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna stop it like i'll i won't acknowledge it but i'll i won't stop it either eh, i don't know fans can heckle all they want for me i like heckling it's fine. Like, there's a line. Like, obviously, with uh, with J, uh, what's his name, uh, Josh Reddick, getting death threats is going too far. Oh <laughs> obviously. yeah, there's, there's a there's a line that you don't cross. Obviously, heckling is completely fine. There's nothing wrong with it. Heckle all you want. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Like, there's so many instances of like players who will, you know, just come out and say like the most outlandish stuff. Like, you know, Reddick. As a prime example, like like you said before, like this guy's, you know, he's a, he's a weird dude. Like he's coming out and basically like, you can tell he's hostile in his voice because he got caught. But yeah, you know, it, it's a really again, it's a, a sticky situation that, especially when you look at the MLB and you know how things are are playing right now, the fact that they're not going and stripping them of their title. It's because they don't want to deal with it for another, you know, they don't want to deal with it down the line. They don't want people coming out and making documentaries about how, oh, this is how the Astros cheating scandal. Like, well, those them. documentaries are still going to be made, and this oh, is not are. going away anytime soon, this scandal. It's not. No, as much as they want it to be, it's not going to go away, and that's the hard part of it, and that's what friggin' Rob Man- that's what Manfred needs to realize, because he is literally at a point right now where he needs to realize, hey, I should be more involved in my league. I shouldn't focus on, you know, the same you know, the same stuff every time. I gotta build. They're just on the bottom line. Yeah. Like the fact that the punishment was so minor like okay, the prospect one 
you know, it hurts long-term. It doesn't really hurt short-term. Uh, the fact that they basically... They gave players immunity. Yeah, they gave players immunity. They're just like, okay, you know, you did something really, really bad, but it's okay because, you know, they are literally at a point where, oh, well, what can we do? They're, you know, what's done is done. You know, we can't go back and change the past. Like, I don't know. It's real. It's really stupid. Like, I think, to in all honesty, like, Rob Manford deserves a smack in the head. Like, multiple smacks, but one, one is enough. Yeah. So, um, hey, just one last thing to touch up on before we, uh, I we think end I know, the show. I think I know where you're going with this, and I'm, I'm, I'm mad that I didn't bring it up before. Okay, go. What do you think I'm going to bring up? Is it about a certain MLB player? Um, no, actually, but but go on. Let's okay. hear it. Okay, all right. I don't know if you've been on, on Twitter recently, but there was a rumor going around that Jose Bautista is going to make a oh. return to Major League Baseball. Yes, 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 yes. As yes. a pitcher, mm-hmm. which, God, do I want to see that badly. I really, really want to see that, like, now. He had a cannon coming in from... from oh, yeah. From, Absolutely. Uh, he had one right of the field, best man. arms. He had one of the best arms in my field. Like, and I've always best- said... I've always said, this guy can definitely play... Be a pitcher if you want and just throw nothing but heat. But apparently, according to... Uh, I think it was... It was... It was Jeff Passan who broke yeah, the Jeff story. Pa- Jeff Passan broke it, and then Stroman, yeah. Marcus Stroman, came out and confirmed it, and I was just like, yes. Like, yeah, and please. apparently, like he's got good movement on a sink or on a slider too. Yeah, he's, he's got, got a good, a good slider. He's got uh, a 94 on the on the measure for his fastball. Like I want to see it, and like you know what? Like I feel like some team will probably bite on that. Just like what Bryce Harper said, man. Make baseball fun again. Has yeah. fo- have Jose Bautista come in as a relief pitcher. That that's making the game have, fun again. Yeah, make, have the game fun again. Position I don't players. That would put, even if it's for like a god awful team, like the Mariners as a team that I know you always like to bring up on our other oh, podcasts yeah. as being terrible. Like even if the Mariners sign him, I don't put butts in seats. Exactly, and that's what Major League Baseball wants: put butts in seats. Have these, you know, I don't want to say smaller market teams but have these guys that are you know different going out and signing you know whoever like you know like the Mets signed Tim Tebow for God's sake like I want to see that like it's amazing yeah like having Tim Tebow I'm watching those I I try to tune into like some Mets during training games just to see Tebow exactly yeah so um was that what you were going yeah. for, or what was the last? No, thing? I was just gonna, I was gonna say about the Toronto FC season starting. If you had oh, any yeah. thoughts on that, I, I forgot about TFC. Holy crap! Um, but yeah, TFC. Uh, for those of you who don't know or are living under a rock, is uh, the Toronto Football Club uh, in the MLS, which in Toronto has become a big deal. Uh, I think it's one of the best things to do in the summertime, especially when there's no baseball. Just go to BMO Field and. Toronto yes. FC games are so fun. Oh, they are. I mean, they're they're crazy, you know, when they friggin' go out and uh, I think they had that incident in Ottawa where they uh, lit the stands on fire or something, something like that. 
you know what? Those are flares, and flares are awesome. I want flares at every single sporting event in Toronto. <laughs> I mean, okay, I see your point, but that's such a big hazard. Yes, like, I understand there's a hazard, but hazard through, is what makes things okay. fun. Okay, but I went through a course. <laughs> I went through a course in my program called risk management. If you take this course that I'm taking, which is called sport management, and you take risk management, it's one of the hardest courses that you will ever take in the program because you have to take into account everything, every hazard. You have to recognize the hazard. You have to assess what to do with it, and then you have to control it, either eradicate it, make it less of a impact or have less of a like it's it's so hard to do because you don't know you know you don't know how it'll impact the uh you don't know how it'll impact the game and with flares like okay they're not impacting the the game per se because you know obviously there's well unless it's unless you're in serbia or something and there's Throwing the flares onto the field. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, I don't think anybody's going to get, like, that insane. So, like, no. in that sense, like, obviously it won't be. But, you know, it's still very – it's a very touch-and-go situation just because of how hmm. hard it is to, to gauge that. But I, I, I'm not against flares. Flare, flares are good. They are good tools. Especially you know, if I've sat in that, in that Toronto FC supporter section before, and it, it is – it's a whole lot of fun. I always wanted to sit – in it because it's where all the, the people that are shirtless and jump up and down in the cold are. But hey, those are those are the true fans. It is very, it's so much fun. Like I honestly, anybody ever gets the chance to go to a Toronto FC game in general, but especially if you have the chance to sit in that supporter section. I don't care what plans you have, reschedule them. Oh yeah, <laughs> like they that, it is so fun. It is. Like, it's literally, like, one of the most insane things. Like, I think I remember, like, even when you go down there, like, you'll just see all this stuff happen. It was insane. Oh, the atmosphere is amazing. Oh, for sure, yeah. I mean, there isn't much to, to talk about there. Like, they, they made that one thing, but, like, they made that one sign, but that was it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, like, what, what do you think? How do you think they're going to do this year? you think they're going to make it back to the finals like they did? Last they'll, season? They'll, they'll go on a run for sure. I don't know if they'll make the finals, but they'll go on a run for sure. I just think they're, like, very well coached. Like, especially last season, it was such a surprise to see them make the finals. Because they, oh, yeah, they squeaked they were... in to the playoffs, not by, like, not, they, not by much at all. They struggled oh, for, for sure, yeah. a lot last season. And then uh, they just went on a run. They beat, like, the two best teams in, in the league to get to the finals without... Sebastian Jovinko for the first time. So, uh, you know, yeah, like, like, with, they're not with Bra- the team that reminds Bradley me of the Raptors. Hurt, sucks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, with Bradley being hurt, it sucks. But, I mean, they've, they've proven that they can win without him. So, it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens down the line. But I think they're going to be in a good spot. Yeah. All right. So, that, I guess yeah, that just about does it now. for yeah. So yeah, we basically covered everything that we need to cover. Yeah. So I'd say yeah, I so. guess that's it. Well, I guess we'll wrap it up then. Yeah. So uh, follow us on on Twitter, guys. Just search the name of the podcast, the the Bender Six Pod on tw- on Twitter. You'll see me and Matthew's Twitter handles 
player in the bio. Give us a follow and uh, feel free. Send us a tweet. Send us messages on Twitter. We'll let's let's make, let's be friends. Yeah, why not? I don't want that. Yeah, great. just uh, don't be shy. Interact with us. Tell us how we did. If, if you want to disagree with us at all, politely. Don't don't be yes, rude. Don't be rude, but you know, tell us why why you think we're wrong about something and. Uh, and we'll take you on it. Maybe we'll mention you on the show. If you want to, that's that's all the way up to you. You, you have the choice to. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, yeah. Any any questions? Feel free to ask us anything you guys want. Just uh. And uh, yeah, that just about does it. Yeah. Any final thoughts, Matthew? Uh, buy a Martin Lawrence from Jersey tomorrow. Otherwise, you're a loser. No, I'm kidding. You're not a loser. But let's seriously buy the jersey. Because I feel like they're all going to end up like being returned. You know, like, we'll them, uh, which will be hilarious. And then you can buy them for second hand for cheaper. Life pack. Exactly. One shop. That's how, that's how we do it. All right, guys. Oh, See you guys yeah. next week. Yep.